This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 240. We are recording on Saturday, November 25th. I'm Rebecca Shinsky here with Jeff O'Neill, and we're coming to you with this year's holiday book recommendation request show from bookriot.com. It's part one of two. We're going to do two episodes this week and next week. Uh, so if you I'm, haven't heard your, if you didn't hear your request this week, chances are you will hear it next week. I think, unless we get a deluge, uh, which we might, I think we might be able to get to them all over the course of two episodes. I think we might also. Yeah, I am ready to go. I have listened to Mariah Carey's Merry <laughs> Christmas album. <laughs> It's Saturday morning here. We just got back from Thanksgiving travel last night. I'm in my winter pajamas. Mm. Like, I've had my coffee. Feeling festive. Yeah. Jeff. Well, it's seven a.m. It. here. We're doing it at this time because for travel scheduling, holiday reasons. Uh, I'm, I can't. I can't admit to being quite as festive, but I, I'll get in the spirit here as we go. There's a, a little more basso in my profundo, as you can probably hear. There is. <laughs> there <laughs> is a little <laughs> basso in my profundo. It's a, it sounds like a pretty title. good title. Uh, so let's get into this. I like how you. I like yeah, how you, you led, wanna... led with a fastball. I, I like anyway. <laughs> go with the, go with the with your pick. You got it right <laughs> off the board. All right. Do you want me to read it? Do you want to read? It? Do you want to read all these? How yeah, do we do these? What's my name? Yeah, Who are we, we usually read them. Okay. We read them. Yeah. Right. Okay. Here. It's uh. It's it's cool. I can do this first one if you need a, a minute to I gather do. your yeah. basso. I'll be right about nine forty. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's good. By then, I'll be like out in the truck ready to go pick out a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right. Our first request this year is from Julie. She tries to buy a book for everyone on her list, and her dad is the hardest. He pretty much reads Reader's Digest and magazines, but in the past, she's gotten him Uncle John's bathroom readers, and those have worked well. She wants to get him something that he won't predict, and it's got to have bite-sized reads, a mix of humor, history, and politics would be in his wheelhouse. So I did. I made this one a fastball straight down the middle. Um, I think that you, as for unexpected, should go with some Dan Brown, mm. Julie. Um, and for those of you who are playing Book Riot Podcast Bingo, you can mark off the D Brizzle Square here right at the top of the show. Um, the chapters in Dan Brown are very short, so you've got bite-sized. Like they are, I would be shocked if they are any longer than anything in Reader's Digest, any one chapter at a time. There's a lot of history. You get a little bit of politics, a whole lot of intrigue. They are humorous, whether intentionally or not, I'm not sure, but they are funny. Um, and they move fast. Mm. So it's not the trivia that you're looking for for your dad, but really easy to sink your teeth into. You do pick up a lot of trivia along the way. Like um, there's a little note at the top of every Dan Brown book that says all of the materials referred to in this book are real. All of the science that you hear about is real and verified. Um, So you can learn a bunch of whole like random things that would give your dad some fun material. If you wanted to go a little more into his wheelhouse. My other pick is What If? Serious Scientific Answers to Absurd Hypothetical Questions by Randall Monroe, who draws the webcomic XKCD. 
And this is, uh, he's like, he's a physicist in real life. Um, so he takes questions like, what if you tried to hit a baseball pitched at 90% the speed of light? And <laughs> he answers them with awesome line drawing illustrations. Um, it's mostly stick figures. These are simple drawings, but it's about science, technology, language, uh, also a healthy dose of humor in both the questions and the answers. So I think those would be uh, good places for you to start. My pick um, is straight out of 2003. I, I don't know. I went retro from a lot of my picks this year. I don't know what, what's gotten into me. Um, my inner old man and actually my increasingly <laughs> outer old man uh, are, are, are coming to the fore. <laughs> Not so far below the yeah, surface. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, uh, you don't have to scratch hard. Um, this one, my pick is Schott's Original Miscellany by Ben Schott. It came out uh, about 15 years ago now. I can't believe that. Um, and I don't quite know how to describe it. Um, it's in the vein of Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, I think. It's been a while since I looked at one of those things, which is kind of a compendium, encyclopedia, book of lists, things like this. This is kind of a highbrow version of this. It doesn't even have bathroom in the name. Um, and so, like, a couple of examples of, of things are in here. Um, the th so it has, like, what are the 13 principles of witchcraft? What is the structure of the military? Um, what what are those clothing care symbols you see on the back, you know, your little tag? Oh, um, a list of useful. countries where you can drive on the left. Uh, odd nursery rhymes. Like, there, so there's little groupings of just weird stuff, like, the names of famous people's cats, suppliers of various <laughs> items to the queen, <laughs> which methods of murder were encountered by Miss Marple? Uh, of you know, so oh it's like gosh. all kinds of stuff like this. As That's you can great. tell, um, this was if I have a wheelhouse, this this might actually be my wheelhouse. It's built out of this book. Um, it is a lot of fun. This explains it's a short. lot. You can read it. In the, you can read it anywhere you want, but. It's got a mix of a whole bunch of different things. And if he does like this one, there are a couple other... I don't. I actually thought this would be... When it came out, it sold a bunch, is my memory of it. Again, I was 25 when it came out, so my, my knowledge of publishing is not what it is now. But it seemed to me like it was going to be a big deal, kind of like almost in like the chicken soup for the soul kind of vein, where you'd get a, a new one every year or something like that. And there were a few other ones. There's one that's... Um, Shot sporting, gaming, and idling miscellany, which is about you know leisure time activities, which is also pretty interesting. All, all, all to say, you can find one, and there's others to get after that. So that shot's original miscellany by Ben Shot. It looks like you can still buy new, and and I would recommend. There's hardcover and paperback versions available. Get a little of the new hardbacks. Um, they're nice sized, and they feel good in the hand. And it's a few bucks more, but I'd recommend that. That sounds like a lot of fun and also a great way to be a ringer on someone's Oh, yeah. It's, it's not even that useful, though. I mean, it, it's like not... I mean, that's a different thing. But yes, you can get some stuff out of there. All the, all the ways um, to learn stuff. All right. I guess the next one is me. All right. Well, do you want to hear oh, about yes, our Oh, yes. We should do that. First? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So our first sponsor this week is... Men and Dogs by Alice Chenaud Dupuis and Marie Ava Chopin. This is a brilliant and hilarious collection of photographs that feature 50 pairs of gorgeous men and candid canines. When the world has you down, there's no better way to instant happiness than handsome men paired with cute puppies. My own Instagram feed uh, would attest <laughs> to this. This is the second photo collection that they've done together, pairing hot men with similarly posed animals and probably no 
surprise, uh, the authors started their popular Tumblr and Facebook page called Des Hommes et des Chatons uh, in 2013. They post pictures of these handsome men um, with adorable cats nearly every day, and that inspired their first book of photos, Men and Cats. So this is men and dogs. Um, Despite their clear love of both cats and dogs, only one author actually has a pet cat, and the other has decided to forego traditional pets entirely, but she has a pet otter Mm, named Diego. I want to be friends with these women and also watch a reality TV show about them. Um, They create these clever photo matchups because they just know that they're going to make people smile. And these books make great presents or stocking stuffers. I didn't realize it until I was reading these show notes, but my husband gave his work wife, who is a uh, traditional cat Mm. lady, the Men Men and Cats book um, for Christmas a couple of years ago, and she loved it. Uh, Men and Dogs is, you know, that's right in Mm. my wheelhouse if anybody's looking for something to send me. Uh, So again, thank you to Tarcher Perigee, who published the book It's Men and Dogs by Alice Chenaud Dupuis and Marie-Ava Chopin. All right, let's trundle on. Here's my gift stumper. I'm visiting my boyfriend's father, stepmother, and four-year-old half-sister. Good luck with that. For the first time in England over the holidays, I've never met these people before, um, and what I know about them is extremely limited. I know his father likes cats, cooking, and has moved around the world a lot. His stepmother is a mystery, um, but may like Neil Gaiman, question mark. And the little one apparently <laughs> likes scary things, but doesn't know how to read yet. Any gift ideas that would be good, that will be a good impression, but also won't get me stopped by DSA or a card, <laughs> extra suitcase to travel with. This is, this is a tricky, tricky little uh, stumper here. Um, also, you're very brave, Very Mickey. brave, Mickey. Uh, I'll go first. I guess we'll do this where the reader goes first. For your dad. Sure. Uh, your, your boyfriend's father. Um, I'm going to recommend, I think I talked about this on the show recently in a different context, but A History of the World in Six Cups by Tom Standage. Um, basically, each chapter in the book is a micro, micro history of one of the great drinks of the world. So I, uh, do I know them off the top of my head? Wine, beer, spirits, Coca-Cola, coffee, and tea. So each chapter is a a history of that. It's interesting for a world traveler. It spans the globe, spans many centuries. A lot of wonderful trivia and history of the things, you know, you find in your glass every day. It's a pretty short book. It's also really good on audio. I don't know if that's a thing they have in England. I don't know if they even talk in England. Who even knows what they do over there? Um, um, So that's my pick for Stepfather. Uh, For the four-year-old, I'm looking at my own shelf, um... For my kids, one that my kids like and I, I think is pretty popular amongst the uh, pre-K to early grade school set is Dragons Love Tacos. And I didn't even bother to look up the author's name. I'm sorry about that, um, author and illustrator. But it's a it's a picture book. No, it's not a picture book, but it's like an early reader kind of book where it's big, beautiful. And basically the setup is dragons love tacos, but you can't give them spicy tacos because dragons and fire and bad things happen. Um, <laughs> oh, and it's so cute, cute and it's fun. And it's not scary, but it has, you know, fantastical broad elements. And if you like that, there's Dragon Loves Tacos 2 available, um, which I haven't gotten yet, but I'm sure is in my near future. I just looked it up on Amazon. It's by Adam Rubin and Daniel Salmieri, and you can buy a stuffed dragon you can. holding I was a taco. Say, it's to a go big enough it. deal now that you can buy you can buy merch. You can get the plush taco at Barnes and Noble. We saw it there the other day. That's so adorable. that's fun. And then for your stepmother, um, the Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. 
Uh, the sequel came out this year. The first one came out a few years ago, and I really liked it. I I find myself to be sort of a Neil Gaiman fan, which means I read them all and have uh, a wide spectrum of reactions, if that makes sense, to the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I really liked, and I guess the Gaiman-esque quality is that it's, it's a fantasy, so that's beyond the pale of you know the normal, but it's not high fantasy. It's that Gaiman thing where the, like the, the fantasy sort of creeps in through the door down the chimney or something else like that. But anyway, it's set in like medieval Russia, and it's, it's set on this you know farm um, with this minor gentry, and um, the the titular the title um, character is a young girl who has a destiny and is special. And things happen, um, but it's lovely. It's beautiful. It's a great winter read. Uh, is the other thing I was thinking here, because um, it's set in Russia, which is winter, three hundred and sixty-four days a year. They have one day of spring, and then goes back to winter. <laughs> um, but it's a lovely book, an immersive book. Um, so that would be my pick there. All right, for Dad, I started with um, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by Samin Nosrat. She is a professional chef. She's a teacher and a writer, and she has taught everybody, like all kinds of people, including Michael Pollan, mm. um, who now has his own book opinions about food, how to cook using this method that is just so elegant and simple um, about how to master the use of these four elements. Salt is um, enhances flavor. Fat delivers the flavor and creates texture. Acid balances flavor. And heat is ultimately how you cook food and determine the texture of it. And so the book is essentially about the basic science of cooking and how you combine these four elements. It contains a lot of um, sort of how-to philosophy of cooking information. It also has about 100 recipes. Um, but then there's kind of uh, a mix and match component to it that I really love. That's a do kind of a do it yourself. It's like, so you want to make, you want, so you want to do something with mm. pork chops. Like here are flavors that are complementary to pork. Um, if you're going to make a brine for your pork chops, these are the components your brine should have, but then you decide, you know, which acid are you going to use in your brine? What kind of flavorings are you going to add? Um, so there's a, like recipes if you just want to follow step by step. And then there's some philosophy if you want to teach yourself to fish um, and figure out how to make your own recipes for things. And as a bonus, the book is beautifully illustrated with full color drawings by Wendy McNaughton. It's one of the most beautiful cookbooks that I've seen in a long time. I think hands down the best one out this year. And so for someone who loves to cook and is interested in flavors from all over the world, I think that's a great selection. Again, it's called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Um, I got nothing for a four-year-old, so I'm glad that you covered that, Jeff. And then I thought for the maybe likes Neil Gaiman, uh, that this would be uh, for the stepmom, The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern, um, another one of the books we perennially recommend around here but little magic little romance Mm -hmm. little intrigue and also pretty safe like um 
I would be a little nervous giving someone that I don't know Neil Gaiman because sometimes those are a little racy or risque at points. Yeah, Yeah, or violent. Right. Yeah, there are some things that uh, are just tough if you don't know somebody's reading preferences. But The Night Circus is lovely and kind of universally Mm -hmm. beloved. Like, I I don't know that I've given it to anyone who hasn't just loved it and then come back and wanted a book like it. And in fact, I think every year when we do this show, we get someone who's like, I love yeah, the Night Circus. Yeah, we have one this time. Down the, it's down the page. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> and we just kind of like shruggy yeah. emoji. It's hard to it's hard to follow that up. Um, so I think that would be a good and safe um, recommendation in the realm of fantasy and magic for, for someone that you don't know very well. Cool. All right, you're up next. All right. Our next one is also from someone named Mickey. That's funny. <laughs> um, spelled spelled differently. Um, her husband is three books away from finishing Sports Illustrated's 100 Greatest Sports Books list. He'd like to find another list to work off of. She suggested that he do the Read Harder Challenge, but he doesn't want to come up with the list himself. He wants a list provided to him. So far, the best idea he's come up with is to read the most interesting Pulitzer Prize winner for a year across the various categories to give himself a choice and avoid some duds, but he's also interested in reading more diversely. He's open to any genre, but not a big sci-fi or romance fan. What list would we think would be the best list for good books by diverse authors to get him going? And then uh, Mickey is going to pick one or two of the books from the list as gifts for him for Christmas. All right, so I'm just going to go super easy here. The most obvious one to me was start from Book Riot's best mm. books of the year. Um, our 2017 list won't be published for another week or so, um, but the 2016 and 2015 lists, and you know, all the way back to the beginning of the site are available. And those um, tend to have about as much diversity as and inclusivity as you're going to find right. on a best books of the year list. Um, this year's list is really amazing. I have had the the chance to see those numbers. Last year's list was really great. We'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. But um, if you don't want to do read harder um, because you want the books laid out, like the book riot best books of the year list are going to satisfy a bunch of those read harder challenges just incidentally anyway. Um, they cover a, just a lot of ground and you're hanging out at book riot. So I feel mm-hmm. okay about recommending our very own list to you. Um, I'm going even more self-serving. Well, not really self-serving. <laughs> uh, it's a list that I wrote. <laughs> Uh, I love this it's list. It's from, God, can you believe this? June of 2013 <laughs> is when I wrote this. Man. The list is called From Zero to Well Read in 100 Books. Um, the conceit for the list came um, when uh, I, I got a question from a former student. Is that this? Yeah. Oh, no, this is a different list, 100 Greatest Books of the American Century. Anyway, th- 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 this mm. was like... Every now and again, the meme, it's not really a meme, but the question burbles up of what does it mean to be well-read and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And it's it's always a bit of a canard, right? Because the, the thing that no mm-hmm. one says is that no one's read everything, um, but yet there's this, mis- there's this mystical man slash woman out there who is the most well-read person in the world who's read everything that anyone would consider on any list of the well-read. So it's like, it's a it's moving goalpost sorts of situation. So I, as a thought experiment, I said, well, let's say no one, let's say you had never read any books and you were going to read a hundred and you were trying to get as close to well-read as possible as you could with those hundred books, where would you go? And this is the list that I came up with. And it's trying to cover both, you know, artistically important things, literary history important things, but also things that are parts of popular culture and mainstream culture. Um, 
that you know if you've heard of. So if you've read the complete Sherlock Holmes, then you're you're good on Sherlock Holmes. Like you've read that, you know. If you've read mm-hmm. the Da Vinci Code, you can talk about Dan Brown, which gets talked about. So it's it's a mix of high and low, old and new. Um, it's not a it's not a list focused on diversity, but there are because of what I'm trying to do. Um, diverse authors, uh, let's put this, underrepresented authors put in. Um, if I had to do over again, and maybe someday I will do it over again, I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably dial that bit up a little bit, especially because it is more and more part of popular um, mainstream discussion about books. Uh, it's come to the fore and would need to be represented in the list, not just because I would like it to be, but because that's a thing that's going on. You could do a lot worse than read this, um, this list of books, it'd be interesting to see what would um, what the crossovers would be. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes. I'm not going to make you Google for it at random. But if you did want to Google for it, you could, you could Google just from zero to well-read in 100 books, book ride, and it would pop right up. So there we go. There we go. Those are lists. Uh, okay, I guess I'm up next. Hello from Freezing, Michigan. Hello, Brett. <laughs> uh, I need a book recommendation for my sister. I think she would love a book which looks at the United States, preferably post-Trump election, through the eyes of someone from another country. What in the world does the rest of the world think of this dumpster fire we have going on over here? Fiction or non-fiction would be great. Uh, I, you, you had my pick in here. Um, I'll caveat for us, I think, because it looks like you were the same mm-hmm. thing I was, which is... I couldn't think of an international book. Also, it hasn't been that long, right? Since Trump was elected, yeah, it's, it's too, too soon, soon, and publishing lead times are long. It's, it feels like a million years. I know. Years. It, feels, it feels like a thousand years, but it, it hasn't been. Um, and the other thing is that books from international authors take some time to get to the U.S. anyway, so it might be a few years. So those caveats uh, aside, Rebecca, take it away. Okay, so those caveats aside, um, we... Well... I'll let you do the one that we picked together. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, I'm not ready. So We Were Eight Years in Power by Tanya C. Coates came out this year, and it's nonfiction, just just for the record, but it's a collection of his essays from the Obama years uh, and then leading up to the election. And I think I'm not all the way done. I've been taking these one at a time, so you can tell me Mm -hmm. if you've gotten all the way through it. Um, But, you know... it, sometimes we forget that um, to be black in America is sort of like living in another country. Like that's that's the thing that I thought of when I thought of this book is like you just want yeah. a different perspective than the one that elected Trump, and this is what this is. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's really good. Coates is as clear a thinker and as readable a thinker about politics. Uh, even handed isn't the right word that I want to use. He's 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 got that sort of. He's compared to Baldwin a lot, but he's actually calmer than Baldwin. Um, Baldwin will get more angry than Coates, which makes his Coates's simmering seem all the more explosive uh, in a way. Um, but I think this is a good start. This is what we've got now, and you could do a lot worse uh, if this is the one you read as sort of your Trump bromide uh, or or a antidote, I guess I would say. Yeah, um, I pulled some Book Riot contributors to get recommendations since we do have folks who live outside the U.S. And someone recommended The Fate of Mm. the West, The Battle to Save the World's Most Successful Political Idea by Bill Emmett. Um, I'm reading now straight from the description here, but it says the West seems to be in retreat even from itself and cracks have appeared in the structures of international collaboration built after 1945. We live in a time of disintegration and rekindling of old nationalisms. 
well, that's true. Um, the end of the West has been predicted by academics, philosophers, and rival statesmen for more than 100 years, but it's proved itself to be tough, adaptable, flexible, and able to evolve. Um, in this book, Bill Emmett argues that in the face of new threats, we must resist attempts to close borders and mines and work to remove obstacles that are blocking this evolutionary change. Um, so this is a little bit of the fight is not lost, um, but how do we keep resisting this push um, to build borders and to close mines? Um, so that sounds good. That's going on my list. Um, and then one from... Uh, my personal bookshelf that came out earlier this year in the wake of the election is No is Not Enough, Resisting Trump's Shock Politics and Winning the World We Need by Naomi Klein. Um, and she looks at the ways in which Trump's election escalate uh, and have escalated a bunch of the world's crises, um, how reckless the agenda is and the kind of disasters that it can generate in the economy and national security, in the environment. Um, and she's looking at um, sort of the argument here is that he's not this is not an aberration, but a logical extension of the worst trend of the past couple of decades um, and looks at the the rising tide of white nationalism, not just in the U.S., but the world over and sort of puts together the historical moment to basically say, like, this is not a surprise and here is why it is not a surprise. Um, but here's what we do to continue um, going forward. So that's No is Not Enough by Naomi Klein, which I thought was really, um, really smart and well argued and I did not get um, at very much publicity or I didn't see it bubble up in very many places. Um, so might be worth a look yeah. for you. Another one, just while I'm thinking about it, that remind me, um, Hope in the Dark by Rebecca Solnit. Oh, yeah. Came out um, in response to the um, <laughs> second Bush's invasion of Iraq, um, but feels all the more prescient and um, relevant now about how change is possible, how, you know, things get better, improve unpredictably, but also through effort, um, not losing sight of you know, it basically that there can be still hope when things seem hopeless. Um, it's short and beautifully written. Solnit is as good as it gets um, as an essayist. Um, that would be a good recommendation for anybody <laughs> feeling, mm -hmm. you know, feelings um, about the, the feeling likes. about the state of the world. <laughs> hope in the Dark by Rebecca Solnit. Uh, let's do one more record. Right. We'll come back to the sponsor. We're, we're, we're in the early okay. days here. Let's see. So this is a request from Sarah. She's looking for a, re a recommendation for her aunt who recently retired and has a lot more time to read. She is somewhat spiritual and enjoys yoga and mindfulness, also knitting and sewing. And she is ex-military and very liberal. Um, so for nonfiction, we know she enjoyed Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell and Everybody Yoga by Jessamine Stanley. And for fiction, she has uh, recommended Outlander and The Night Circus, and her aunt enjoyed both of those. Um, so where are we going here? Well, I went first to yoga mindfulness because wheelhouse. Um, this is brand new and it's a beautiful book. It's The Wisdom of Sundays by Oprah um, or collected by Oprah, really. Um, since Oprah left her show and created her network, one of the things that happens on the Oprah network every week is a show called Super Soul Sunday, where she interviews some sort of um, spiritual leader or thought leader or visionary in some way. And there's a, a very wide variety of folks like Tony Robbins has been on the show. Ariana Huffington has been on the show. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh has been on the show. <laughs> Cheryl Strait, Elizabeth Gilbert, like you're not going to love every guest on this show. Um, and 
I think that's kind of the beauty of a show that that spans this variety. But the Wisdom of Sundays collects um, great quotes and um, sort of short talks from these thought leaders about essentially um, what it is to live more fully in your life in the present and to be um, what Brene Brown would call to live wholeheartedly. Um, And so there are 10 chapters of the book organized around uh, different sort of themes or steps in a person's spiritual journey. And the pages each contain, like it's a sort of two-page layout that has a beautiful um, nature photography background from one of Oprah's properties. All these pictures are taken um, in uh, places that Oprah loves with the quotes sort of overlaid. Um, So there's a lot of great little nuggets. There are also, you know, some things you're going to skim over or some things that your aunt will skim over, but there will definitely be something that would resonate um, for anybody in this book. You could find something um, sort of perennially applicable and also right now in, in the world is When Things Fall Apart, Heart Advice for Difficult Times by Pema Chodron. Um, she is a uh, one of the only or the first um, women to be a, a Zen Buddhist uh, master. There, I, I can't remember the correct term for it. I'm thinking about this on the fly, so I apologize uh, for butchering that. But this is her most popular work, and she t- talks about the value in moving toward painful situations rather than running away from them, and how that teaches us to um, to experience the present and to you know really see life for what it is in a um, fuller. way. And if you wanted to do a coffee table book, um, Yoga Bodies by Lauren Lipton is a really beautiful collection of photographs of all kinds of uh, people who practice yoga um, with short uh, couple paragraphs from each of them about something related to their yoga practice in their life, either how they came to it or what it means to them. And the book celebrates the diversity of people who practice yoga and sort of gets to that same notion that Jessamine Stanley's book did, that um, all you have to do to have a yoga body is have a body and do yoga. Um, So that's Yoga Bodies by Lauren Lipton. My picks. um, I went I jagged uh, on the mindfulness mm-hmm. <laughs> tip. <laughs> I went Other Minds by Peter Godfrey Smith, which I think is the best of the... Um, I tweeted the other day that we're living in a golden age of books about cephalopods, and this is the best one. I've read several of them, so I guess I'm mm-hmm. the target demo uh, for books about squishy things. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's basically a, a biological and somewhat a philosophical treatise, investigation, you know, uh, exploration of the m- mind of an oct- of octopi, which are mm-hmm. their neural systems are built so differently than ours, yet they still have you know they still have they also have eyes that are much like mammalian eyes or animal eyes, but were by all by, by all estimations evolved independently from terrestrial eyes or mammal eyes or even fish eyes. Um, and, you know, the the best quote I've heard about octopus is like, if there are aliens on Earth, they are octopuses because they're so unlike anything else. Um, they You know, their brains are basically spread over their entire bodies um, and their tentacles and their suckers. And they don't live very long, but they have very intense emotional reactions as far as they can tell. They can recognize people. They're extraordinarily smart. Um, and it's interesting to read about octopuses and octopi but also as, as a foil for thinking about our own consciousness um, and our own minds. Um, and I think this is the best of that breed. And I can also say you don't need to read more than one of these books. You read one, you're pretty much covered. 
I've read several because mm-hmm. I'm a disaster. Um, so there's <laughs> Other Minds by Peter Godfrey Smith. Um, I, don't, I don't know why, but there's something about this prompt. And I think it was the nonfiction, fiction, liberal, ex-military, mm-hmm. so worldly I think is kind of where yep. I got. You see where I'm going with this? Does this feel wrong? Will you see where I'm do. going here? No, this feels right. I, I get it. Because it's not an Outlander Night Circus. I don't know. It's kind of an emergent print property of what I'm seeing here. But, yeah, it feels like we have a picture of yeah. who Sarah's so, aunt um, is. So without further yeah. ado, I guess, the actual The Pig is Homegoing by Ya Jesse, which is a multi-generational... I'd use the word saga if the book were longer because, you know, saga, you're thinking a doorstop because it's not that long. It's, you know, it's in that mid 300 page realm. But multiple generations of Africans um, from pre slavery days through slavery to African American contemporary families following a lineage um, that I don't want to describe how the lineage is carried or uh, signified because that's part of the book. Uh, is that fair, Rebecca, to say? Like, you don't want to spoil that? Yeah, I always say, like, the structure of the book is one of the most yeah. interesting parts about it, but I don't ever want to spoil it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for either, but it's beautiful and interesting and moving and enlightening and difficult um, by turn, by turn, by turn, by turn. So that's a stretch pick. Um, but I, I think, you know, clearly, uh, Sarah, that this is something she could handle, but I, I think it would be a oh, good yeah. pick. That's a little, uh, a little bit of a curve, but, but, uh, but, but fun and interesting and, and, uh, provocative nonetheless. Yeah. I think that's a great pick. I guess I'm up next. Uh, hi, Rebecca and Jeff. I have a recommendation request. Well, funny you should ask. It's, it's probably you one right you've already place. answered a million times. I'm looking for something to get my boyfriend for Christmas. He loved the Martian. Ring a bell, ding mm-hmm. dong. We've got the Night Circus and the Martian. We haven't had Harry Potter yet, but I'm sure it's coming. And read it pretty much straight away when he opened it. I haven't been able to find anything he's loved that much. He really liked Ready Player One. He likes the Rivers of London. Uh, ben Aronovich series. Do you know that series, Rebecca? I, I don't, don't know either. that, no. He didn't really like Snow Crash, but he likes this other Neil Stevenson books that you can't say. Seven Eves, seven backwards, seven, seven Eves. He hates Lord of the Rings. <sighs> anyway, he thought Scalzi's Lockin' was okay. I, I like how we got not just what he liked, what he didn't like, and also what he thought mm-hmm. was okay. Th- that's it useful. is useful. The spectrum so is So probably helpful. something science fiction-y, though, he, uh, although he did like The Rosie Project, and that's not sci-fi. I'd really like to get him something that's not written by a white man this time. I hope you have some ideas. You can point me in the right direction. A million times people have asked for reacts to the Martian. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. And another that's, the Martian is always yeah, hard. it is hard. Um, I'm going. It's a little horror. A little. It's it's a fantasy, dark fantasy maybe. The Changeling by Victor Laval um, starts out with you know a little a happy little family, um, a husband and a wife and their new baby. And the the wife gets this very dark, strange idea that the baby is not theirs, and things happen. Um, it's propulsive. It's a little bit. It, it's it's the page. Tur- I'm going for the page turnery part that you're going with at the Martian here. That's kind of what I'm doing. Mm. Um, propulsive, exciting. You don't know what's going to happen. A little scary. So I, I don't have any flavor of scary here. So I, you have to judge for yourself whether that's something you would like. So that's that's my. Stretch pick, my wheelhouse pick, um, is Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, I think is probably mm, our go-to mm-hmm. Martian read-alike, even though it's not really the same, but it's got a sci-fi element. It's, you know, if you don't do it right, you're going to die. You know, that whatever that element is, survivalist sort of thing going on. It's not as hard sci-fi as the Martian, meaning it, it proposes 
scientific and technological things that don't yet exist, though it's grounded in science, um, but it's mostly a page turner uh, built on that. So, th- so those are my two picks. Yeah, I went to this. He liked the Rosie uh, yeah. project. That seems like an an anomaly. That was, that was interesting. In good, his, good thought in his reading life. And what I know of the Rosie project is that, as fiction goes, it's relatively like heartwarming and mm-hmm. sweet. Um, and the first thing that came to mind for me in that vein is the storied life of AJ Fickery by Gabrielle Zevin, which is just like it oozes charm. Um, it's about a man named AJ Fickery who lives alone. His bookstore is on, on like I think a small island, yeah, like on the eastern um, in the, seaboard in the northeast. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, like in the main, like Maine, Massachusetts, somewhere One of those around there. Bits, um, uh, north of New York. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he runs a bookstore by himself. He's a bachelor. Um, and the like activating event of the story is that his rare collection of Poe poems has been stolen. Um, things are just like not going well for him. But then this mysterious package appears at his bookstore. Um, it's a child, and the unexpected arrival sort of gives him a chance to start his life. No, well, I mean, not really start his life over, but to change yeah, the direction reboot. of his, yeah, change the direction of his life, change up what he has imagined for himself that might be possible. This is a real like, oh, there's a whole other way of being that I never thought of before um, kind of novel. And there's love and there's a bookstore and um, it's, like kind of impossible to not enjoy <laughs> this story. <laughs> it's just very charming and sweet. And so the Rosie project rang that bell um, for me. The p- the piece about the Martian that I think people are thinking of often when they say that they loved it, but that is just embedded in how quick of a read it is, is how mm-hmm. funny it is. Um, it's hard. It's just hard to find books that do funny really well. And I'm uh, in the process of catching up on Kevin Kwan's Crazy Rich Asian trilogy, which uh, I just read the second one, but it is hysterical and it reads like a house on fire. It's just so fast. Um, so I would also, this is going to be different, but since he likes fiction and he likes funny and you're trying not to give him something by a white man. Um, I think this would be a great choice. Crazy Rich Asians is like a soap opera kind of, but super well-written and very sharp satire about like uber, uber wealthy people in China and Singapore. Um, And it starts with a woman who's a New Yorker going to spend the summer in Singapore with her boyfriend and his family there. And it turns out that like she's envisioned this sort of like, you know, normal family home and they are pulling up to a huge mansion on a huge estate. Um, These people are so wealthy that they have managed to like stay off the grid. No one even knows Mm. that they're wealthy. There's like the wealthy people that everyone knows of. And then there's this whole other tier in the society that Kevin Kwan describes of people who are like so rich that they don't want anybody to know Mm. that they exist and that they are that rich. Um, And there's all this social jockeying and there are scandals and it's just a ton fun. It's a, they're really fun books. They're really funny. The satire is very sharp and they read very, very quickly. They're kind of big as paperback fiction goes. I just read the second one on my, my flights this week for Thanksgiving travel and it's 500, ah, I didn't realize that. Really? Maybe. They're long. Yeah. But you can read like, mm. I read like 250 pages in the course of like one quick mm. travel day. Um, they're great. It's great. So funny. Um, I can't remember the last time I just had as much fun 
reading. I have a very important question so for you about this. Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Is it, is, does it fulfill mm-hmm. O'Neill's razor now? It, it does. does. Oh, it does fulfill O'Neill's. Yes. Um, so the first one is Crazy okay. Rich Asians. The second is China Rich Girlfriend. And then the last one is Rich People Problems, which is out. It came out this summer. I think it's still out in hardcover, but it does fulfill O'Neill's razor and um, crazy rich Asians is going to be out in film next year. That's going to be a lot of fun to to watch. Um, Yeah. I think you'd like them. They're a lot of fun. All right. So a sponsor, we're back listening to an audiobook can bring family and friends together this holiday season. Listen to turtle all the ways down by John green on your next family road trip and discuss the important themes of the story or, Listen to Seven Days of Us by Francesca Hornack with your friends at Book Club to prepare the holiday seasons. Connect, listen, and discuss with audiobooks from Penguin Random House Audio. Penguin Random House Audio has audiobooks that are perfect, a perfect way to bring your friends and family together this busy holiday season. You can do bestsellers, Origin by Dan Brown, Uncommon Type by Tom Hanks, or Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. I think a lot of people are going to be reading Little Fires Everywhere this holiday mm-hmm. season. Um or listen to wait that's that's a repeat. I just said turtles all the way down. You can still do that if you want. It's, I guess there's still there's more turtles. They're down there. So you got to keep reading about them. Or the Book of Dust by Philip Pullman, which apparently is great. We haven't talked about it on the show, but the reviews have been fantastic. Um, as you travel with your family for the holidays, visit tryaudiobooks.com/slash/bookriot for a free full download. Thanks to Penguin Random House Audio for sponsoring this show. That's tryaudiobooks.com slash bookriot for a free full audiobook download. Speaking of, um, we talked about Jasmine Ward um, doubling up on her NBA wins. Did you see that Little Fires mm-hmm. Everywhere was Amazon's best book of the year, making two times yes. for Celeste to have the Man. Amazon best book of the year, so she's ripping it up. Uh, anyway, that just reminded me that we that might have gotten, uh, probably wouldn't have gotten to it by the end of the year with the holiday rec shows coming up. So I wanted to mention that there. Yeah. Awesome to see that. My mom um, is newly reacquainted with their public library in Kansas City and that's on her list. But she texted me like my mom and dad are just discovering the like science that you have to do about your library holds (laughs) list. (laughs) Yes. And my mom was like, there are like 500 holds on this book and they have 50 copies of it. And I was like, "Mm -hmm." yeah, welcome to the world. (laughs) It's a good one. Uh, This next request comes from Victoria. Her best friend recently discovered the wonderful world of C.L. Wilson, which I had to Google. Um, Having not been a heavy reader in the past, um, Victoria was astonished to see how quickly her friend plowed through these books in less than a week and wants to give her something of a similar taste. She says, please note that even though Wilson's books are categorized as romance, they are nothing of the like, having a hint of romance, but focusing on a fantasy world. Can you recommend anything vaguely similar or in the romanticy like genre? Like it, romanticy. I mean, um, anyway. Romanticy. I like that too. That's I haven't Me seen either. that before. I like, I like that word. Um, so this, I think is just one of those examples first of that romance spans a huge spectrum and just a hint of romance is often what a romance Mm. is. Um, So I went to our trusty romance diehards among the Book Riot contributors with this request and got a few suggestions. Um, The first is War Prize by Elizabeth Vaughn, which is the first book in the Chronicles of the Warlands series. Um, The daughter of a warrior king, Lara was trained as a healer 
her with her father dead and her incompetent half-brother on the throne, the kingdom is in danger of falling to the warring Firelanders. Uh, she's unable to, to depose her siblings or negotiate peace, so she serves her people by healing the warriors on both sides of the battle who are injured. Um, she educates herself in her enemy's language and customs and never expects that her deeds would lead to the handsome and mysterious Firelander warlord. Um, so... That sounds like a little romanticy, um, and one that got several recommendations is the Psy Changeling Trinity by Nalini Singh. Um, the first one, I believe, is called Silver Silence. And um, those were also recommended, let's see, at a time when the fledgling Trinity Accord seeks to unite a divided world, Silver Merkant plays a crucial role as a director of worldwide emergency. Uh, there's wildness and chaos, but those are the last things that she needs in her life. And that is exactly what Valentin Nikolaev, Alpha of the Stonewater, brings with him. Uh, so... Lots of fantasy stuff going on there. Little romance. I have not read these personally, but I trust our Book Riot romance uh, recommenders to be giving you what you're asking for here with touch of romance, lots of fantasy. Um, And then there was a shout out also for Beck McMaster, who um, it looks like writes a lot of steampunk sort of fantasy romance. Um, There are just a ton of those when you do a quick Google. So that might be uh, worth a look as well. Yeah, uh, that's a contributor's. They helped us out with that one. That's a tough mm-hmm. one for us. Okay. Hey, guys, love your show. It's a highlight of my Mondays. Aw. Uh, early next year, I'm going in for surgery, for a surgery that require a while to recover two to three months of no walking. Good Lord, Samantha. Good luck mm. on that. My Christmas gift to myself, approve, is a list of distractions yep. and things to do. I was wondering if you guys have any book recs. I'm thinking series of interesting non- and interesting nonfiction. I love the King Killer Chronicles, the Wayfarer books, the Martian, Angel Maker, Night Circus, the Bone Witch, uh, Daniel Hayes Older, uh, Aeronauts uh, and Infomocracy. I tried and did not like Game of Thrones. Well, that's a month right there that you don't have to waste. In the nonfiction area, I love Taniasi Coates, Lab Girl, H is for Hawkin Figures, Just Mercy, What Happened, and Behind the Beautiful Forever. Wow, that's a book. That book from a few yep. years ago. Um, I do have a few romance books saved. I'm open to anything as long as it will keep me hooked and let me forget that I'm stuck in casts. Um, all right. So I, I was looking at the nonfiction and I didn't really see a through line. So it's like, it looks like voiced nonfiction is is your mm-hmm. jam, and there I'm going Negro Land by Margot Jefferson, um, which came out was that last year, Rebecca? Was that just last year? Ah, uh, I think yeah, it was 2016. It was America's 2015, 2016. Margot Jefferson, a uh, a critic, a very prestigious critic, cultural critic, literary critic of all kinds. Um, this is a memoir slash kind of a history actually uh, wrapped up in mm-hmm. memoir of um upper middle class to rich black people from the mid-century to really like the 80s is kind of what this, this until she comes into her own adulthood and becomes a different um, sort of person in the end of this sort of class of people that dressed and acted and basically were for all intents and purposes what you would think of as white except they were black. Um, and they had their own social clubs and their own philanthropies and their own neighborhoods and their also their own social mores. Um, and Margot Jefferson herself uh, came from this cl- uh, class of, of black people. Um, it was an, an, a product of a particular time in American history that was a few decades long, maybe a little bit longer than that, 
but she talks about you know what the mores were and the behavior standards were and what the compromises were, what the advantages were, what the world was like. Really fascinating, beautiful, um, and a painfully restrained book. You can feel uh, you can mm-hmm. feel Margot um, keeping it together and succeeding, but with both hands. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, on the fantasy, big, you know, give yourself some pages to get through those those long days in bed. The Darker Shade of Magic trilogy by V.E. Schwab, the last one, A Conjuring of Light, came out this year. I have not finished it. I've been saving it for the holidays. I have the hardback. It's in my basement, like on a little pedestal kind of almost, honestly. <laughs> uh, it's just actually on the top of books. But I, every time I go down there to like get a mattress or whatever, I'm like, oh, yes, that's coming. So I've been saving it because I kind of don't want it to end. Um, it's magicians. and Basically, the setup is that there are three parallel Londons that only a couple people can move between and they have varying degrees of felicity with magic and that the center to that arrangement cannot hold and I'll say no more Um, but it's great it's really good I think it's sort of like it has some of like the Harry Potter world building stuff going on but it's more of an adult book more of a King Killer Chronicles in terms Mm. of violence and stakes and you know kind of the emotional stuff that's going on uh it's really good the three three books and there'll be things i'm sure at some point we'll see on a screen of some kind i can't imagine this is going to go on for too much longer without being adapted maybe it even is now who knows since everything is being adapted uh the new o'neill's razor should be is it being adapted (laughs) yes is it a thing yes so there you go so those are my picks uh, let's see. So I went just for stuff that would be really mm. fun to read. I think, Samantha, that you should also pick up Crazy Rich Asians. Ah, yes. Um, those three will keep you busy. Um, the Woman Next Door by Yawande Amatoso. I loved this book so much. Uh, one of my favorites of 2017. It's a paperback original. It's set in Johannesburg, South Africa, in a richy rich neighborhood about two women, um, uh, elderly women there, I think in their 70s, maybe in their 80s, um, which books actually any pieces of like cultural media about older women that legitimizes their experiences. It's so rare to see entertainment that takes older women seriously. Um, like Grace and Frankie is the only other thing that that comes to mind uh, in contemporary media. So this is about two older women. One is black and one is white. Um, They've both had really successful careers. They've both been recently widowed. They are the best of frenemies. Um, It's like all the drama of homeowners associations um, writ large onto their, their, they have never liked each other, but they're sort of forced together um, through some unexpected events. And then as tends to happen, they end up kind of liking each other, but bickering a whole lot. Like my pitch for it has been uh, if the Golden Girls got woke, um, what that story might Mm. kind of be like. Um, It's a very kind of worldly and politically savvy story, but it's not a political story at all. Um, just a great, fun, really funny and sharp novel. Um, again, that's The Woman Next Door by Yawande Omatoso. Just tons of fun. Um, for something that has a lot of tension uh, that will keep you turning the pages, Girls on Fire by Robin Wasserman. I think that came out in 2016. Um, set in the mid-90s about these two teenage girls who 
you have one of those like torrid teenage girl friendships that uh, is a little obsessive. There's a big secret at the center of the book. There's a lot of tension, a lot of drama, a whole lot of Nirvana references. I loved it. Um, that's that's one that's like it's really good for reading in the summer on a sweaty day, but if you're laid up for a while, it will keep you turning the pages. And about this time last year, I discovered Leanne Moriarty when I read Big Little Lies. Um, and I think she does a great job with stories set. It's like suburban melodrama. Um, Tom Parada is also great for this, just page-turning suburban melodrama that takes seriously the problems of that kind of life um, and also have some great surprises and little twists thrown in. Um, the, I think it's called The Husband's Secret is another one of the ones that I read and liked, um, but those will keep you occupied without you know really making you do too much work while you're laid up and doing the work of recovery. Uh, okay, okay, you're up. Okay. This next one, oh man, this is Tough. a hard. Yeah, this was a, a hard one. Um, so the next question is from Michelle. Her friend is going on a dream trip this summer, an African safari through Kenya and Tanzania. She's looking for recommendations of fiction or nonfiction books about African safaris. Um, I man, I struggled with this one from my personal reading, but I remember there's a chunk of a that's visit right. to the Goon I, that's Squad. That's a good memory. I did or, not remember that. Yeah. Or visit from the Goon Squad. Yeah. A visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. There's a chunk of that that happens on a mm -hmm. safari. Um, and that's just a great book. So you would have the, the bonus of like, I'm giving you a great book and it happens to have some safari stuff happening on it. Um, a book that I loved from 2015, uh, or maybe it was 2016, I don't remember anymore, but The Tusk That Did the Damage by Tanya James. Um, it's set in India, but deals with um, elephants. Um, there's an elephant reserve and some poachers that are that people are trying to catch. Um, and there's this one elephant known as the gravedigger who has broken free of his chains and now he's like terrorizing the South Indian countryside. Um, and so the book takes on some of the really serious questions about um, majestic wildlife and the commercialization of wildlife. But the really fascinating thing about it is that a section of the book is written from the elephant's perspective and it's pulled off just astonishingly. Um, it's one of those that like, it's hard to sell people on the idea of this book, but it's just gorgeously written. And be the time that we spend in the gravedigger's head is really wonderful. So not Africa, um, but deals with some of those large animals. And then the only other thing that I've read mm. that I really remember having lots to do with African <laughs> safaris was years ago, Henderson, the Rain King by Saul Bellow. Um, and Henderson is just this like gaping wound of a human who wants more, more, more more of life um, and his experience on a safari is part of that. Um, and as I was saying this, I was like, oh my God, do we know anything terrible about Saul Bellow? But I, I don't think we do. Mm, so I don't. Um, I remember loving Henderson, the Rain King. Uh, so that's one. But man, it's this was a tough one. You're, I think you're doing a better well, job it than took, I am it on took this me one. a little <laughs> while to figure this out. I mean, so I think both of us are trying to to skirt the issue of, you know, romanticizing slash ignoring the politics of like mm -hmm. colonialism and tour, you know, cultural tourism. And I'm not saying it's bad necessarily, yeah. just it's tricky um, to go because the canonical one would be out of Africa by Karen Blixen. Um, it's the true, well, memoir, I guess I don't know how much of it's technically true of a Danish woman who marries a, 
basically British colonist in Kenya, and they have a coffee plantation, um, but they become estranged. Uh, and if you've seen the movie or know the movie at all, the, the, the Karen is played by Meryl Streep, and she has a long-term on-again, off-again romance with a safari guide. Uh, I can't remember the, 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 the real person's name, played by Robert Redford. And the movie and the prose is golden and wistful and beautiful and painful and colonialist. <laughs> uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but to say it nonetheless. And so as a, I would pair it with something about real Africa, um, the politics, the difficulty, the effects of colonization um, uh, in Africa. And you could pick, I, I, I pick either of them. I picked Radiance of Tomorrow by Ismail Bea. Um, this is his novel, his um, uh, his his memoir. He was a child soldier in Sierra Leone mm-hmm. um, from the age of twelve to fifteen. He fought basically for a warlord before UNICEF rescued him. Um, and you know the realities of what it's like to live in parts of Africa even today, and how they connect to larger geopolitical things. I think is probably an important part of any visit to Africa as a white person or a Westerner who who's going to see, especially if you're interested in reading about it. Or at the very least, you know, I can't recommend Out of Africa without recommending something else. Um, Radiance of Tomorrow is about coming back from war and going back to your village. Um, you know, that part of where they come back to the Shire from, you know, the, the, the Lord of the Rings where it's like, mm-hmm. things aren't all great and it's difficult. And this is that um, in real life. Uh, and he's a beautiful writer and a remarkable person. Um, does a lot of amazing work uh, as an amb- UN goodwill ambassador in Africa. Um, but anyway, those are two remarkable books. So nice little trilogy if you wanted to, to have your Africa experienced, uh, I don't know, heightened, enriched, uh, different perspective there. All right, let's move along. My recommendation this is Mandy. My recommend recommendation request is for my mom. She grew up in a very small town in Texas, less than twenty in her graduating class. She's super conservative. All the things you would expect in a small town in Texas. She always thought she didn't like reading at all until about two years ago. She de- she discovered Susan Mallory and her many books. They are light romance family stories set in small towns, and now she is never without a book in her hand. I think she's read over 100 books in the past two years. I would love to find a book author, ideally a series that is set in a small town with diverse characters so she can see different experiences and open her mind to anything other than the stereotypical hallmarky white Christian family small town thing. Also, she loves books set during World War II. Thank you so much in advance, Mandy. This is one of the most interesting ones we've ever gotten, I would say. It's hard, but man, was it an interesting experiment to try to to think about. Like... Yeah, small town but diverse. I was what like, is that? Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I got yep. stuck. Um, that's yeah, that's hard because of what small towns mm-hmm. tend to look like in the states. Um, you know, I'm kind of thinking now. This is out of this is not on my list, and it's a it might be out of your mom's wheelhouse. But my mom also thought that she didn't really care for 
romances. And then she read the Outlander uh-huh. series, which she maintains is not a romance, yet she has read all seven of them like four times in a row. Um, so this, I think that's a might be something to think about. Compelling stories. There's some time travel. Like It doesn't really ring a lot of these bells, but it's also not your stereotypical hallmarky. Like There's some, some difficult stuff there, too. Um, the storied life of A.J. Fickery is a good, charming, small town yeah. story. Um, since we mentioned that above, I won't go into detail, but Gabrielle Zevin, uh, the author of it, is a woman of color. And so you, you get um, some of her experience there in forming the story. This is my favorite uh, safe mom book pick. I think it, I've trotted it out every year for the last couple of years. Uh, this is the story of a happy marriage by Anne Patchett. Uh, it's a collection of essays um, that cover sort of her whole life and they deal with a disastrous early marriage. So she gets real about some of the not so happy things in life um, to her current happy marriage, her career, stories about friendships, um, opening a bookstore. Like there's a lot of charm because it's Ann Patchett, um, but there is some real talk about some of the stuff of life, but not in a way that's threatening at all. Like this is the book that I typically say, buy this for your mother-in-law that you want to show, you know, here's a nice book that I got you and I was thinking of you. I think most people will feel seen in some way by the book or they'll see something that resonates uh, with them, but it's not, uh, it's not challenging in a way that would up, would be upsetting, I don't think. Um, so that's that's all I got. You've got good ones here. Well, so I mean, you... I also went off script a little bit. I mean, look, so the one that's the one that's easy for me, we've talked about on the show recently, Our Souls at Night by Kent Haruf, small town romance, right? Um, mm-hmm. Though I wouldn't I wouldn't call it light, would you? I mean, I guess I don't know the terminology well enough to do. It's soulful, but it's not and it's mm-hmm. not a drama. Uh, it's not it's not large scale drama. It's a, it's a small, yeah. quiet, thoughtful book, but beautiful. Um, and then I was trying to think, okay, well, a small, a small, diverse town like small towns generally tend to be homogenous, largely with you know some some variation, but it's not going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not going to have a demographic spread of a whole bunch necessarily. So I was like, what else? Whether we can go well, one way you can go is to communities within larger cities. Right there, you go. Um, and so I picked a couple, and they're they're on two levels of stretch for your mom. I would say the one that's not as much of a stretch, though. Still, it's not white Christian, whatever. Um, the namesake by Jhumpa Lahiri. Um, it's about uh, Ashok and Ashmina are uh, a couple that met in Calcutta. They moved to the U.S. Um, they live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is basically a, a large suburb of Boston, and their community and their struggles to not assimilate and also assimilate um, and what their children go through as, as second generation uh, um, Americans um, trying to figure out how to make their cultural beliefs work in a world that doesn't necessarily align with them, which is something that maybe mm-hmm. your mom can empathize with. It's also a beautiful multi-generation heartbreaking story with a wonderful um, twist isn't quite the right word, but almost a stinger uh, at the end. And if you want to go farther down a similar line, Bright Lines by Tani Nadini Islam, um, Bangladeshis living in Brooklyn, New York, um, and they're you know wrestling with their own, how do they live in the world? A big, broad cast of great characters. Um, and you know, one thing I think people like about small town stories, like almost to, to use the Gilmore Girls example, it's that feeling of 
you know the people and you're connected to people that aren't just in your immediate family, right? I think that's one thing people mm-hmm. react to. And both the namesake and bright lines are about these wider communities, which are almost like a, a town within a town. Um, Talking to Islam, there's more difficult material in there. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for everyone else that might be interested, but you might want to do a quick Google to see um, if it's something you'd be comfortable giving your mom. But that's my double stretch pick for, for your mom, Bright Lines by Talking to Islam <laughs> and the namesake yeah, by Jumpa As you were. As you were talking, I thought of one okay, more great. from a couple of years ago, um, In the Language of Miracles ah. by Rajia Hasib, um, which is set in uh, an affluent suburb of, I believe it's of New Jersey. It's about a white family and an Egyptian family who um, have been best friends for many years. Uh, you know, the like the dad in one of the families is a dentist. Both families are well known among their community. Um, so like right off the bat there for your mom in a conservative sort of small town uh, world is you get to see a, a family that are people of color be prominent in their small town community. Um, so that's great. The activating event of the story happens before the book begins, which is some, it's been a year since some tragedy happened in which the son, one of the sons from the Alman Shawi family and a daughter from the white family, I think they're named the Bradstreets. Um, they both died a year ago. And now that it's been a year, the Bradstreets are planning a memorial. The Alman Shawis are trying to figure out um, what to do, whether they should attend because of the role that their mm. son played in the deaths of, of both kids. Um, and you see the two families um, sort of struggle with this terrible thing that happened between them, but also with the narratives that the people around them impose onto the story and the assumptions that they make, because one is, you know, sort of a blonde haired, blue eyed, um, all American looking family. And one is an Egyptian family that are people of color. Um, and the story is really, it's very compelling. I think this is a great book club book. Um, it asks some interesting questions without being preachy or hitting you on the or hitting you on the head about it. But this sort of small town suburban feeling in New Jersey, I remember it felt like reading a small. It felt like reading kind of a small town story, even though it's technically the suburbs. So that's in Good. the language of miracles by Rajia Hasib. You're up. Let's do a couple more. Then we got the break. All right. I'm flagging. Yeah. Oh yeah, all right. This is a this is a good happy one mm-hmm. to let's, let's make do this it. our last and we'll end on this one. Uh, this is from Lindsay. She says, I know this is supposed to be book recs for gifts, but she already knows what book she's buying for everyone except herself and would love some recommendations. We got you, Lindsay. You also deserve some <laughs> gifts. She is looking for uplifting, heartwarming books. She's recently finished reading several dark or difficult books like The Dinner, Penance, and What Happened. Oh, I'm never gonna recover from reading what happened. I feel you, Lindsay. Um, and she She's looking for a bit of a pick-me-up for the holidays. She loved the storied life of A.J. Fickery, and Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. She also just recently read The Bookshop on the Corner, which was fine, but love triangles kind of stress her out. (laughs) (laughs) I love how specific people get. That's really helpful. Uh, So my go-to... Every year on this show, color in your bingo cards for delightful and fun is 2 a.m. at the Cat's Pajamas by Marie Helene Bertino. Uh, it's also perfect for this time of year because it all takes place on That's Christmas right. Eve. The whole story is set in 24 hours about a little girl. I think she's Something eight. Something like that. Yeah. And yeah, she's like eight or 10. And her dream is to sing jazz on stage at the Cat's Pajamas, which is a club uh, in the small town that she lives in. And her mom has passed away. 
Her dad is like doing the best that he can, but she's kind of free ranging it. Uh, And the book moves us through this day in her life from her perspective and a whole bunch of other people in town as she's, you know, her goal is to get on stage and sing. But we know that uh, like her teacher is trying not to let her sing because something happened the last time that she got on stage at school and sang. It's just funny. It's really sweet and charming, um, nicely written. You can plow through it in one night under a cozy blanket, but that's great for this time of year. Um, for, you know, lighter, funny, I went for none of, uh, let's see, One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter by Sachi Cool. Um, that's a collection of essays about, uh, well, some of them are about heavier topics, um, but really funny. She's a writer for BuzzFeed, grew up in Canada, um, is, uh, I, she's Muslim and writes about the experience of you know, sort of that, like, no, but where are you from, mm. uh, of white people, you know, wanting to figure out who she is, uh, and about the very particular experiences that she's had with her parents and with their expectations and her career, um, and her love life. Now that's really, uh, just a fun collection and very smart. And then I also really loved this year. We are never meeting in real life by Samantha Irby, who is hilarious. Um, and the book is kind of, it's like stealth in how smart it is because it's so funny that all of a sudden you're like, Oh, right. This is actually really deep and very smart too. Um, but she, uh, writes about, her career. She writes about depression. She writes about um, being a black gay woman in Chicago who then moves to a relatively rural area with her wife um, and what her fears are about what that experience will be like. She's one of those writers that like you just want to sit around and have a beer with and listen to them talk about their life in a re- really hilarious fashion. So that's just a fun, um, light, smart, like light, but not insubstantial is what mm. I was going for here. So that's um, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life by Samantha Irby. Um, I picked up on bookstore stories with a happy ending between Ooh, Bookshop on the Corner and the Storied Life of A.J. Fickery. Um, I went on a mini jag this year of reading bookstore novels. Um and most of them aren't good. I, I'm going to come out and say it. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's maybe it's because it's too easy is the wrong word, but like you can get complacent. The pitch is so yeah, compelling. right. It's like yeah. you don't have to try. I'm saying this is all coming out terribly, and it's almost as bad as the book. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, Story Life of J.J. Fickery, I think, is one of the better ones. Um, but one that's old. Uh, from 1913, Parnassus on Wheels by Christopher Morley. Um, basically, mm-hmm. a man has been, you know, he's had this mobile library. Uh, it's basically uh, on a wagon. or uh, Yeah, basically on a wagon. And he's getting tired, and he rolls into this town, this farm town, and he's looking to sell it. And this woman who's been living on this farm with her brother says, maybe I want to buy it. And she buys the bookstore. Um, Parnassus is the home of the muses in ancient Greek mythology, so Parnassus on wheels, blah, blah, blah. You get it. And hilarity ensues um, from there. It's fun. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, you read a book from 100 years ago uh, that's like in this uncanny valley between like classics where you just know everything is different, like Dickens, right? You don't expect it to be anything like right. modern life. And something that's 100 years ago set in America, and they're like traveling up the eastern seaboard, and like, whoa, it's kind of a strange sensation but it's zany it's funny um the characters are very broad it's very specific in its own way as well and there's a sequel if you like it called the haunted bookshop 
um, which I won't spoil. Telling you what the plot of that would spoil a little bit of the fun of Parnassus on Wheels. But the other virtue of these, you can get them for free on your Kindle if you want them, or for like two bucks in print from, I think Melville House has a couple of nice editions. Yeah, If you like it in print there. But that's Parnassus on Wheels. And then, should you like the end of that, The Haunted Bookshop, both by Christopher Morley. Okay, I think that's the end of part one. There's a lot mm-hmm. to go here. We've done good work here There's today. a lot to go. We'll have to see how far we get through. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, Men and Dogs and Penguin Random House Audio. You can find links in the show notes. There will be in the show notes all the books we mentioned today. I'm tired of getting email and tweets about, wouldn't it be nice when we do these shows if you did the <laughs> list? So you know what? You're going to get it, and you're going to like it. We always put all these books in, in a list for these recommendation I know, I'm shows. Be, I'm being difficult. Uh, Y'all got to get yourselves to the show yeah, notes, Yeah, get yourself man. to the show notes. Uh, you can find notes to this and all back episodes of the Book Riot podcast at bookriot.com slash listen. Recommendation requests are officially closed. I mean, you could send it to us if you want, but there's virtually zero chance we'll get to it, I'm sorry to say. Um, we already have more to do and more coming in from the end of last week. So we're all through. But thank you all so much for listening and writing um, and the kind words you had for us uh, along with your recommendations. I don't know if that's buttering us up or what that was, but it worked. And thank you. If you pick any of these up, let us know. We always like to yes. know how well we did or or not. <laughs> yeah, I think we have a couple down the list that's, that report back on years ago recommendations. There's no statute of limitations on recommendation feedback, uh, I should say as well. Rebecca, enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. You as well. 